Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to help you think, learn and grow and hopefully smile and laugh on the way too. My aim here is to break down your barriers to taking action and provide you with evidence-based diet and exercise information in a fun and interesting way. I hope I nail that and I hope you enjoy. If at any point you are enjoying this and you think, wouldn't it be great to work with Emma? You can head to esgfitness.co.uk to find out more information. Without further ado, because I hate long introductions, here is this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. Today I want to talk about something that was pivotal in the way that I think about spending money on myself. So this is something that I wish I had got my head around sooner. By nature, and anyone who knows me personally will know this, I really don't like spending money. Like, I'm quite... Do you know what? I would say I'm all the negatives of a minimalist, as in I don't really like spending money. But I also seem to have a lot of, like, crap around the house. So I wish I was more of a minimalist in that sense. But anyway... I really struggle to spend money, especially on myself. So I would book, like, my mum a really fancy hotel. And actually, I would probably get a lot of joy from doing that. But if it was me, I would always... I'd, I'd, like, book the cheapest hotel. And I don't know where this comes from. I think it maybe comes from an odd need to see a benefit in every action that I do or in, like, every bit of money that I spend, I guess. And if I see no benefit to spending more money than on a hotel than what's actually required, then I'm like quite reluctant to do so. Don't mind doing it for someone else. And I get the joy from that. But anyway, like a slightly different way of thinking. Well, actually, which brings me on. God, I've already gone on a tangent. But I thought this was really interesting. So I saw something on TikTok the other day. And you're probably rolling your eyes at this because, oh, I saw something on TikTok. But I thought this was a really good analogy and everyone knows how much I love analogies. And yeah, I really thought this was incredible. So it was someone who was talking about getting their adult autism diagnosis and how some people were like, well, what's the point you doing that? Like you're highly functioning, blah, blah, blah. And this is relevant to anyone who has like maybe autism or it's on the spectrum or ADHD or dyslexia or like just something that makes them think a little bit differently. And so the analogy she used was that if all humans were like phones, some people are, in fact, Almost everyone is an iPhone, right? Almost everyone has an iPhone. So let's say 99% of people are iPhones, but some people are Androids. And if you try to load Apple software on an Android, it doesn't work, right? The same as if you try to teach everybody the same, then someone with dyslexia might not understand that process of being taught, or someone with ADHD might really struggle. Or we know that some people like visual learning versus audible learning versus like practical learning like people learn in different ways and it's not because they're stupid or incapable it's because their brain works slightly differently for example I love analogies right I love stories and I think actually that is usually like as a general rule quite a good way to teach people quite a good way for people to remember things but anyway in this example she was talking about how you know if you are different then actually it's not the stigma around like kind of being stupid or lacking the ability to do things. It's just that you're trying to load the wrong software onto your server. And I thought that was a good way of explaining it. And then I also looked up 
because I, I can't remember at all where I heard this, shockingly. I still, yeah, I remember where I listened to it, as in where I was standing, but I don't remember what I was listening to. And anyway, I went and looked this stat up because I was like, hmm, that, that sounds like maybe it's not true. But anyway, apparently it is. 35% of entrepreneurs in America are dyslexic and the general population is 15%. So that's over double like that are entrepreneurs. And I think the like the reason for that is that thinking differently is a superpower if you know how to manage your own strengths and weaknesses, which we all have. They'll just be slightly different and they might be a little bit out with the norm. So sure, maybe you can't read or write very well, but I'm sure there's other things or other ways that you think or even the coping mechanisms that you've developed for that that may be strengths in other areas. Anyway, um, that is not what I want to talk about today in the slightest, but I still thought it was quite interesting. So hopefully it's useful to some people listening. And what I want to get back to is why so many people struggle to spend money on themselves. And I haven't fully figured this out yet, but I wanted to share a frame that really helped me spend more money on at least like the self-development or self-improvement side of my life. So to me, anything that is self-development or anything that makes me happier or healthier is a great investment. And the important point I want to make here is the difference between a cost and an investment. And I find it way easier to spend money when I'm calling it an investment than when I call it a cost. I have absolutely no issue investing. And in fact, like I'm, I get more out of putting some money into like an index fund than I do from buying something from myself, from myself, for myself. But I really struggle, so I really struggle with the cost element, but I don't struggle with investments. I don't really fully understand why, but that's the way my brain works. So if I can frame spending money on myself as an investment, which really is one of the biggest investments you can make, or one of the best investments you can make, then it's much easier for me to do this. And I remember being told this um, from a business mentor before as well. And it's very hard to get your head around because there are numerous levels to this, like investing in yourself or even in your own business is scary because you have to level up to that, right? That's actually why people get better results in coaching or in business mentoring when they put money on the line. You don't get that good results from free advice, partly because you don't stick to it, but partly also because you haven't backed yourself in that same way. You actually get a hell of a lot from just spending some money on yourself because you, you're you basically telling yourself, I am worth this and I trust myself and I back myself enough to put this like investment into myself. That's harder than just putting money into an index fund or investing money elsewhere or even spending money on someone else. Like my example at the start, I'm more than happy to get my mum a nice hotel room, but would I do it to my, for myself? No, absolutely not. Ridiculous. I couldn't even think about doing that. So we tend to struggle to invest in ourselves and often we tend to struggle to invest in things that aren't tangible. So for example, I am willing to bet that good coaching will make you happier and healthier and it will give you far better returns than buying like insert any material possession, even one that you love. But it's harder to objectively or immediately see or feel the result. Maybe you will feel the result actually, but like see the results. So if I go out and buy 
I don't know, really nice new shoes. Like I can see the result of that. If I go and invest in a coach, I don't see the result of that straight away, but the result is far bigger. And what's annoying is that these tend to be the most important things to invest in, but also the hardest things to invest in. And yet, despite this, I have conditioned myself, I think, or maybe I'm predisposed to this, but I've certainly doubled down on it to kind of do the opposite. Like I have very little interest at all in anything material because they might bring you like momentary joy, but they don't last as long as memories, as education, as self-awareness that you might get from therapy, as like life lessons, as experiences, as like happiness. And again, I'm not saying that you can directly buy happiness, but I certainly know that, for example, spending and you know a lot of money on therapy has certainly made me a happier, healthier, more productive, more engaged, like all round better human being that will go for more opportunities, that is able to work harder for a longer period of time. Like all of these things that I might not necessarily have gone for, that actually was the best money that I ever spent. And I certainly have made money from the fact that I can work harder, that I show up at my best, that I understand, like, I mean, I've probably got a load of like coaching skills from going through that as well. So all of these things that you might think it's a cost, like it's this much an hour for a therapist, but actually the, the amount that you get from that, even if it's indirectly, I know for myself, from my own experience, has certainly been like 10 times the amount that I invested into it. And that will continue to compound. And this is a good example of the more like obvious and direct, or maybe the way that people think about investment. So there is a direct reason that I see coaching specifically, or like therapy, or you know, whatever it might be for you, but in this instance... Like, this is what I know. So coaching specifically as an investment, which often actually has very real financial returns as well as all the other things. So most people don't go to a coach because they're like, I want to make more money (laughs) unless you're like going to a business coach. But most people don't go to like a health fitness coach saying that. But what's interesting is that a lot of people do. And most people, I mean, actually, I looked up the definition of an investment is the action or process of investing money for profit. And I still think that coaching for like, and I would say for most people does do that, like does fit in line with that definition of investing. So that means by this definition, you would need to see a return on the money that you spent on coaching. And as I said, I believe that most people do. And the prime example of this was an email I got from an old one-to-one client this morning. So she was coming back um, to see if there were still coaching spots available. And she was telling me she just got a new job. And she said, I'm working in educational research, which allows me to get my geek on. I never would have had the confidence to even apply for it before I lost weight. It's crazy how much that can impact all areas of your life, right? This is a direct quote from her email. And this is actually so, so common with the clients that I work with, they are happier, they are more confident, and they are more likely to go for these kind of opportunities as a result. And actually, as a result of that, make more money. And if you're anything like me before I fully made this connection between coaching and happiness and confidence, and then going for more opportunities, you're probably thinking, yeah, yeah, like, I get, invest in things that make you happier. But I also you know, want to make investments that make me money, right? 
here's what really changed my mind. And it, it comes from a book called The Happiness Advantage. So a lot of the crux of this book, and you should read it because it's excellent and I'm not going to be able to say it in a couple of sentences, but one of the key points that I took away from it is that we often correlate success with happiness. And the truth is these two things are correlated, but most people have this causation wrong. So happier people tend to be more successful because they are more likely to go for opportunities when they arise and they are more likely to be offered opportunities because you tend to speak to more happy people right they tend to be like people that are more engaging or people that are more likely to say hi to you or open the door for you and you're going to get into conversations with them and that may seem like such small trivial matters but actually it really does add up and they're more likely to take risks because they see the potential positives instead of just constantly ruminating on the negatives and they're more likely to try again if things don't work out. So in this way, happiness will make you more successful and in my opinion, like improve every area of your life. Plus, what's probably most important is make it more enjoyable. You only get one life. So don't lose sight of actually the importance. I think we can quite, and I certainly did this, like quite easily be like, yeah, happiness, but you know, but also I need to work hard or also blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's not a one or other thing. And then when you realise that happiness is a key driver to success, you're like, wow, I've got all this backwards for so long. I thought I'd need to be successful to be happy, but actually it's happiness that's going to drive me to success. Whew. I hope that has blown your mind as much as it blew mine the first time I kind of, that kind of clicked for me. And if you think that working with me can make you happier and healthier then click the link in the show notes and you can apply for coaching there if not I hope this has even just slightly improved your day thank you as ever for your time and attention if you want to talk to me about coaching or if you want to find out more about how to work with me head over to esgfitness.co.uk there is also lots of free information on the website and some worksheets, which I hope you will find useful. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear from you. Please tag me in your stories at ESG Fitness or shoot me a message. And if you think you know anyone who would enjoy this episode, why not share it with them? Thanks, guys.